JM in the AM, it is a Monday morning broadcast in our three weeks format. Many of you are aware of the fact that Mitzvah for Ukraine has a major event going on this coming Sunday, July the 23rd, beginning at 10.15 in the morning at Congregation Keter Torah, which is at 600 Romer Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. On Sunday, you'll literally hear a report from the front lines, a report from Ukraine's chief rabbi, Rabbi Moshe Osman. You're invited to join Jews from around the world who are concerned about the 100,000 Jews in Ukraine for a report on the situation on the ground. The chief rabbi will share how his initiative, Mitzvah for Ukraine, has become one of Ukraine's most efficient and impactful humanitarian organizations serving thousands of Jews and non-Jews across the country. The be a Q&A with Rabbi Osman uh, that will follow uh, his, the chief rabbi's, uh, presentation. Uh, information to sponsor the event, etc., and to sponsor the chief rabbi's work in Ukraine, you could visit the website, officeofchiefrabbi.org. Again, officeofchiefrabbi.org. And with us live via telephone is Chaim Klimovitsky. He is the executive director of... <clears throat> excuse me, the executive director of Mitzvah for Ukraine. And I don't normally go through someone's entire bio, but his is too interesting uh, not to use it to introduce him uh, this morning. So I'll mention that uh, Chaim Klimovitsky was born in the U.S. to Jewish refuseniks from the USSR, grew up in this area in New York City, and then volunteered on the other side of the world in the IDF. He received a business management degree from YU Sysim School of Business, and then in 2015, he volunteered with refugees from the Russian invasion into the Donbas and Crimea areas and helped kick off the Anatevka refugee village, which is run by the chief rabbi and has become the central point for all humanitarian aid to the Jewish community of Ukraine. He moved to the Ukraine at the end of 2020, focusing on importing Ukrainian furniture to the U.S., and from the very first day of the war, he was instrumental in planning and building an evacuation system that evacuated over 40,000 people in the first three and a half months of the war. And since then, Chaim has been working with the Office of Chief Rabbi to continue this work, keeping Jewish life cycle events up and running, humanitarian work active, and of course, the advocacy work of the Office of the Chief Rabbi. Chaim Klimovitsky, Executive Director of Mitzvah for Ukraine. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Good morning. So based on the stats, and I know that these are estimates, etc., but basically uh, 100,000 Jews remaining in the Ukraine, somewhere between thirty and 40,000 have already left. I, I guess that's a number that have left under your leadership under your initiative um who essentially left and who essentially stayed uh was it a women and children situation which is what it sounded like at the beginning of the war where the majority of those two groups were the ones that were leaving would you classify them in other categories who is no longer in the ukraine from the jewish community and who remains in the ukraine in the jewish community Uh, to give to give a proper answer here, it, it's a little deeper. So, first of all, there was a huge wave of people that left. A huge wave of people also that went to the to the west of the country for safety. No one knew what was going on. All the major cities were being bombed, and it was utter chaos. And people with small children uh, were the first ones to leave. Right, and and the reason why we had to set up the evacuation system was for the people who don't have cars, 
who don't have money, who don't have the resources to leave. That's why we set up a system and we had many, many partners and we worked in multiple cities to get the people out who didn't have resources, who didn't have vehicles uh, to leave. Um, and, and, and really was the ones that, you know, wanted a, a better future for their kids. They didn't know how long this would be. Many of the people that left to Europe were thinking in their minds that they were uh, going to sit this out for a couple months and then come back. And now it's already been almost a year and a half. Yeah. And then there was a smaller percentage that went to Israel and are trying to build a, a new life. But many are coming back. And the, the ones that stayed behind is, is, is a little bit of a breakdown between the men that couldn't leave because of the law. And they stayed back with, many stayed back with their families. And, and many elderly people that didn't want to leave, uh, you know, their homeland and leave their houses. And, and I mean, you guys know how difficult it is sometimes to get an elderly person to go to a doctor's visit. So it, to get them to move at uh, elderly time, especially if they, you know, ready people who survived the Holocaust and people who will, you know, have been through a rough life to get them to leave and start something new is very difficult. But I would say that today within the communities, most of the people that are there are, are feel emotionally attached to the people of Ukraine, they feel attached to their country. They feel attached to this fight of of fighting for for their freedom, and and they're really patriotic. Most of the people that stayed behind and want to see success. And if and, we're and, 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 if, and, and if the we're, ones who and if we're going to use the figure one hundred thousand just as a as a benchmark, how many of them are living in conditions that are impossible for us to even relate to? How many of them are are really in war torn areas? So um, th- there still are many, and uh, they, they, they see it as an act of pride and as an act of resilience, right? They're bombing the infrastructure. They're bombing our houses. We're not, not going to give up. We're going to stay here, and we're going to stay here until the end. They, they may not have enough resources even to stay there, but they do not want to give up, right? This is, and, and also, let's not forget that when we're talking, it's, it's, right, 100,000 is, is a rough number, but really it, it's, it's broken up. Look at the American jewelry. American Jewish community is not just a small community, one city, right? We have Jewish businessmen. We have Jewish people who are in, 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 in uh, academia. We have Jewish people who are in politics. And the same thing in Ukraine, right? They're not just Zelensky's Jewish. There's Jewish people in parliament. There's Jewish people in government positions, whether it's governors, deputy governors, mayors, deputy mayors, and in the military and all across the society, right? And they want to be a part of this and they want to keep it sustaining and keep it moving forward. And the goal right now of the of the... Of the of the uh, our goal and the goal of the organizations in Ukraine is really just keeping them alive and keeping them so hopefully victoriously surviving the struggle and then and then coming back to the rebuilding of everything and the flourishing Jewish life that was in Ukraine before the war. Chaim Klimovitsky is with us, executive director of Mitzvah for Ukraine. I'll give everyone the details about Sunday's event in just a few minutes. Is it possible to get the aid necessary to the people? That we're speaking about. I just I just read something this morning about um, uh, one of the moves that Putin has made, which is going to make the supply chain for basic essentials even more difficult. Is there an active supply chain right now for essential items? There, there is an active active supply chain. It's it's really just right now the biggest problem is cost. Right, there's a huge lack of jobs in Ukraine. There is a, a financial difficulty because most products, essentials like flour, oil, they all double or triple the price. You know, eggs just just to, just to survive. You know, food for for for. Let's say you you had a pension, and you you know you work for the government, you had a pension. Now you're 
on pension, that pension is is now worth a fraction of what it was before the war. Right. And it's really just helping these people, you know, get the medicines, get the food, especially for the elderly, bring it to their homes, bring the doctor visit to their homes because they don't want to leave. Right. That, though, though it, it is very complicated. It is logistically very difficult to deal with these things. But we have solutions and thank God we have a lot of partners and that's what we're trying to keep it going because we feel what really pains us is the fact that there is a strong Jewish community in Ukraine and um, we want to help build the bridges with the Jewish community of America on this trip and say, guys, thank you so much. You know, the whole the whole American uh, Jewish community got together to help save as much lives as they could in the beginning, which was phenomenal and it saved thousands of lives right now. Uh, right now there's still thousands of people that just need help to survive the struggle, right? They were self-efficient. The Jewish community was more or less self-efficient by, you know, Jew- Jewish philanthropists living in Ukraine helps them grow and thrive right now. That's not the case. And we need the help of the community abroad to help us just survive this. You know, once we rebuild, once everything comes back, we're good. We're going to continue doing, and, 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 you know, even before this war, our community helped. He sends lots of funds to Israel and a lot of other initiatives. But right now, this is the reality. Most businessmen are just struggling to stay afloat and, and local philanthropists just can't keep up with the burden. And the initial Jewish wave of help was tremendous and, and it's drying up. And we really feel it's drying up because there there's no real relation between what's go, what's going between American Jewish life and Ukrainian Jewish life. So people can have those bridges. People can share, hear those stories, understand what's going on, what their struggle is, what their fight is. Why do they believe? Why do they, you know, a lot of people still think, oh, why don't we, why, why don't they just make Aliyah? Why don't they just leave? Why, why are they there? And, and on a deeper feeling, you know, Jews in Ukraine today, especially the ones that are active and are trying to, you know, help Ukraine in these difficult times, even though they don't have enough, they're still trying to help everyone around them. They see that Ukraine is going through a a deep struggle of trying to fight for its nationality, for its freedom, for democracy. A Uh, lot of the same things that America was built on. I I get that. And don't worry, soon every American Jew is going to be asked the same question so they'll know exactly how it feels. Um, uh, Chaim Klamovitsky is with us live via telephone. And, and, and those who are skeptical that things can turn around and eventually will, meaning that if we do support the Jews of the Ukraine now, uh, that we, you know, that hopefully soon there'll be a, uh, a stable, peaceful community there. I mean, you've, it, it, you're one who could speak to this because you've seen it before. You've been involved in other conflicts with Russian invasions and you've seen communities be decimated and then thank God rebound, correct? A hundred percent. And, 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 Kiev is, is, is a beautiful way to show this Two two of the communities uh, that were in Lugansk and Donetsk, they came to Kiev. One, one of the rabbis actually worked out of our synagogue for uh, two and a half years and then opened up his own thing in Kiev. And, and Kiev is a city of refugees right now. It's full. Like most of the Jews population in Kiev is very different than it was before the war. A lot of them are refugees from the Eastern uh, front line of the battle. And, and that's the beauty that even after the destruction, you know, the, the communities rebuilt and they grew and, 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 and the businessmen who lost their businesses, if they were in the East, rebuilt them in, 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 in the Western side of Ukraine. And, and these are very resilient people. I mean, we could just see it from the Aliyah, the current Aliyah to Israel really overwhelmed the Israeli system and, and no new real organizations or packages were set up 
But because, you know, these are resilient people, even though they're Jews, but they come from Ukraine, they're resilient. They, they find themselves in Israel, even though it's tremendously hard. They get on their feet. They find jobs. They find businesses. The same as in Europe. You know, my parents were refugees who came with, without nothing. And they, they found them, you know, they started working hard and built a better future for their children. And, 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 and that's, 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 that's this community. Right. They just need help to survive this difficult time and then they'll get back up on their feet and build a better, a better world around them once you, this you, whole mess is do over. Do you know how and, and by the way, I'm not discouraging people from giving. You know that that all I'm gonna do is encourage people to give, but do you know how many billions of dollars you mentioned Zelensky earlier and I would hope that he would have a little bit of a place in his heart for the Jewish community. Not that he should ignore other communities in the Ukraine, but I would hope he would have, you know, a place in his heart for the uh, G- the Jews of the Ukraine. Do you know how many billions of dollars have been funneled to him and his leadership since this war started? It's quite, um, it's yes, quite a number. Yes. It's quite a number. I wish I wish one of those billions and, and I, could just be given to the office of the chief rabbi to help with humanitarian efforts and rebuild Jewish communities there. I agree with you 100%, and, and, and part of the message that we try to do is when we're talking, for instance, to big banks who give huge amounts of donations to Ukraine, we try to convince them to say that's a good idea, but we think you should help with what you have. You guys are investment bankers. You know how to invest and build businesses. How about take that money you want to donate, put it into a fund, and help the Ukrainian businessmen grow? Mm-hmm. Let's not just have this between President Zelensky and President Biden. Let's connect the American people who were founded – on, on beliefs of freedom and democracy and came away from tyranny and wanted to believe in the freedom of, of individuals and the freedom of groups, like the real founding thoughts of what America stands on. Let's build these bridges, right? We're inviting American Jewish leaders to come visit, right? Because Israel has its own issues and is being blackmailed by Russia. That's one thing. But w- the American Jewish leaders who, who can feel the, the f- that the Ukrainian people are going through. They, we need to build these bridges. These bridges shouldn't just be filled by government money. We need to build business bridges. We need to build intellectual business bridges. We need to build bridges between the Jewish world. You know, as, as a minister in, in, in the UK said that their tactic is as, as Ukraine is leaving the Soviet bloc and joining the West, whether that means they'll enter NATO or the EU or not, is irrelevant. As they're joining the West in, in, in the way they're thinking and the way they're raising their children, we should build bridges, not just on President Zelensky, President Biden level, but all the way down yeah, between Jewish organizations 100%. and Jewish organizations, between 100%. business and business, you know, between think tanks and think tanks, you know, that's really what we're trying to build. Because well, no one yeah, you're person, not, yeah. no one organization, or no amount of money is going to solve this problem. No, it's about you, building together. You, you couldn't. That's you, really what's going to change. Could, it. You could not have said it better, and that, that's one of the reasons I hope that when people come Sunday, I mean, it's Bergen County. I'm hoping that you'll see a million Jews there at this event. Um, when people come Sunday, I hope they'll, they'll, they'll listen to the chief rabbi and they'll understand that they, because there's so many business people, I'm sure in the audience coming Sunday, and there's so many leaders in different, um, you know, walks of life. I I hope they'll get this message that this is a, a tremendous opportunity to build a bridge as you just described and really help, um, people in the Ukraine who are going through all this. Now, the chief rabbi, and we're going to speak to the chief rabbi at some point this week before the event. Uh, I'm not asking you to give away his entire presentation, but what could people expect on Sunday in terms of what he has to say regarding being on the front lines in Ukraine? I think I think you're 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 going to meet a hero, uh, a real Jewish uh, leader who's a hero who 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 doesn't give anyone an order which he isn't willing to go who's willing to sacrifice his life for what's right and for the Jewish people, 
who's willing to speak the truth, whether people like it or not. And uh, I think that that's that that that's the message she's going to bring and that's why you know most leadership in ukraine they come to him they visit him even though many aren't even jewish they come to him for spiritual guidance and and throughout this war through the first video he did with the sefer tara he basically switched from being a spiritual leader just for the jewish community but being a spiritual leader for many ukrainians as well and and that message and 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 is what people can expect to hear the vision what we're trying to achieve, what we're building, the struggle we're trying to, you know, to try to save as much people on a daily basis as possible. What are the real issues? What are what, what what's really going down on the ground? And hopefully, this will just be a start, an expanding start of building a bridge between the Ukrainian Jewish community and the American Jewish community, and then even bigger between the Ukrainian people and the American people. Uh, the uh, the presentation, the report from Ukraine's chief rabbi from the front lines, Rabbi Moshe Azman, happens this coming Sunday, starting at ten fifteen in the morning, at Congregation Keter Torah, which is six hundred Romer Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Um, for information, you can go to the website officeofthechiefrabbi.org, officeofthechiefrabbi.org. We are obviously, I mean, this is not a surprise. We've been doing it since the beginning of the war. We're encouraging people in our community to donate and support people like Rabbi Osman uh, in his efforts to help others uh, in the Jewish community of the Ukraine uh, during this difficult time. Let's not, let's not Let's not get fatigued like so many American citizens have um, as we hear, you know, week after week, month after month about what's going on in Ukraine and people just tune it out. Uh, we got to tune it back in and make sure we're there to help. And um, Chaim Klimovitsky, I think this is one of those situations um, where we can uh, go to, you know, a, a phrase that I often uh, uh, recite on these airwaves, which is the more money the chief rabbi has. Uh, the more people he can help. That's the bottom line, right? If someone gives uh, small or significant amounts to this campaign, uh, the more money the organization has mitzvah for Ukraine, the bottom line is the more people and families they'll be able to help. 100%. 100%, and we appreciate everyone's help, and we appreciate everyone uh, for caring and being a part of this and helping, really helping save the lives of our brothers and sisters who live on the other side of the world. Difficult situation, I'll tell you, and and we've read plenty in history books, even twentieth century history. Not, not, I'm not talking about centuries ago, uh, about people living under uh, uh, you know war conditions and living through war conditions. But this one has really hit home. It is unbelievable to see how many uh, families and communities have been decimated uh, by what Russia has done in the Ukraine, and um, we really have to be there to respond um, and help out. Uh, as much as possible. I'm assuming, uh, Chaim, that at that website, officeofchiefrabbi.org, people could actually support the cause through that website. Am I right? Yeah, 100%. There's a donate button, and, and, and every donation is really, really appreciated. All right, two calls to action. I'm sorry. Cause. Two calls to action, everybody. It's very simple. Sunday, 10 It's a nine days. Nothing to do anyway. May as well go to an event that helps other Jews. Uh, Sunday, 10.15 in the morning. Congregation Keter Torah, Romer Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Your chance to speak, or actually say to hear, Rabbi Moshe Asman. He'll be there live in person. It's not one of those Zoom things. Uh, he'll be there live and in person. You'll be able to meet a real hero who is um, doing everything possible to help um, 
help families in the Ukraine at this time. So that's number one, to try to be at the event. And obviously number two is utilize the website and give what you can uh, during these very difficult times for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. The web address is officeofchiefrabbi.org. Again, officeofchiefrabbi.org. Chaim Klimovitsky, anything else you'd like to add, sir? I'm looking forward to seeing everyone on Sunday, and thank thank you so much for the opportunity, and thank you so much for giving a voice to this difficult issue. A pleasure. Kolakavod, thanks for everything you're doing for our brothers and sisters. Much appreciated, to say the least. Chaim Klimovitsky is executive director of a Mitzvah for Ukraine. And again, Sunday, 10.15 at uh, Congregation Keter Torah in Teaneck, New Jersey, for Rabbi Osman. And we'll speak to Rabbi Osman at some point between now and Sunday morning's presentation. And again, go to the website and give what you can, officeofchiefrabbi.org, officeofchiefrabbi.org. More coming up. It's Monday. It's JM in the AM.